I'm not going to preach about Jonah today, although I'm tempted to. I think when you preach Jonah, you sort of have to preach the whole story. Uh, and I really wanted to dive into the gospel. Um, but I did hear someone, I'll just say this, I did hear someone this week say that Jonah being swallowed by the large fish is actually the most believable part of the story. <laughs> we heard one of the most unbelievable parts of the story, and that is the entire city put on sackcloth and ashes and was transformed in an instant. That's unbelievable. But this week, this week I could not shake Zebedee. I can't stop thinking about Zebedee. I can't stop seeing Zebedee standing in that boat, abandoned, left by his sons. Maybe it's because last weekend at snow camp up at Camp Camrick had conversations with a number of you about what it's like to be at a geographical distance from parents and family and how challenging that is. And that's not the story of every person in this congregation by any means, but it is the story that many of us share to some degree or another. Maybe it's because my own dad, Rex, just had another battery of tests on his heart because of a reoccurrence of severe chest pains, and they found nothing. And I just talk to him on the phone and feel really far away from my dad. Maybe it's because I discerned a similar call to make a home to root myself in a home away from my home of origin. I know intimately both the gifts of that and the burdens of that choice. I know the blessings that have come with that choice and also the losses. I keep seeing Zebedee abandoned. And in Mark, that word abandoned is abandoned. It's the same word that's used at the end of the gospel when the disciples abandon Jesus at the crucifixion. So we don't know what Zebedee's response is. That's not in the text. We don't know if he rejoiced in this wonderful new calling that his sons had received and sent them with his blessing. We don't know if he begged them not to go if he laid a guilt trip on them for moving so far away. We don't know if he just stood there and wept. We don't know any of that. But we do know from the text, at least Mark's telling of the text, that the leaving was not value neutral. This was abandonment. They abandoned. They abandoned their family, they abandoned their livelihood, they abandoned their home, their home of origin, they abandoned whatever security they experienced with the status quo, with the sort of just dailiness in and out of their lives, they just abandoned it all. They abandoned their dad, Zebedee. 
Wait. This? This is the time of fulfillment? Right now? The reign of God has come here? Now? You want me to what? Follow you. that awkward for any of you? (laughs) It was for me. (laughs) I anticipated it would be, but I wasn't quite sure how much my body would sort of be shaking as I'm walking down the hall, and I was thinking, maybe I should run, get there a little faster. This is weird. I didn't know how that would feel in the moment, even anticipating that I would do it, but uh, my intention is that it's more than just a stunt, but that it allows us to sort of enter into the text and the story and the reality of what Simon and Andrew first, and then James and John and Zebedee experienced. Because we often just read this story fairly blithely and the lesson that comes out of it is simple right so Jesus called them said follow me they left their nets and they followed him and now you all should follow Jesus too (laughs) we read it just like it's an easy story and even when we acknowledge that it's hard to follow Jesus and that Jesus calls us to challenging and difficult things We don't often get in touch with just how hard this choice was and is. And yet, so very many of us know something of the struggle of their decision. So very many of us know the impossibility of it all. So many of us know the losses that accompany any path we choose. For no path is without loss. Even a good path. Even the right path, no path is without loss of some kind. Now, Mark, as Amy was retelling the story, drew attention to the immediately. And Mark in his gospel loves the word immediately. This is the gospel for the year, so we're going to hear it a lot. Immediately this happened, and immediately they did that, and immediately. So it's a, it's a 
literary thing that he does. He throws lots of immediately's in. And we can't know what the reality of it was, but let's just go with immediately for a moment. What if they did just hear the, like I just did, heard the call, thought about it for a second, and went. What if that happened? If they abandoned dad, Zebedee, and everything and everyone? What if they just abandoned all of that in a moment? Why? Why would they go in a moment? What would motivate them to respond immediately? Well, I was listening to a podcast this week from Ched Myers, who wrote um, 30 years ago. This is a 30-year anniversary of writing uh, his writing, Finding the Strong Man, which is a amazing commentary on the Gospel of Mark. And so he was talking about Mark, and one of the things that he said that stuck with me is that we read the Bible economically so that we can read our economy biblically. So we read the Bible economically so that we can read our economy biblically. And one of the things, he detailed this whole history, which I am not going to treat you to all of it because I would not remember all the ins and outs of it. We um, detailed this whole history, setting up the context for this story. These fishers, James and John. At the time that they heard the call from Jesus, the fishing industry was in huge upheaval. It was in a season of transformation because Rome was increasingly taking over the land. And and he talked about the Romanization of the Sea of Galilee region and specifically the fishing industry. So the fishing industry at one time was much more quaint. They were doing local, sustainable fishing, giving fish to their neighbors. And it was becoming increasingly industrialized with the Romanization of the Sea of Galilee. Rome was building infrastructure around the sea, building ports, building processing plants, because now the fish didn't just have to feed the neighbors, the community around the sea, but the fish had to feed the empire. So for that to happen, you've got to have processing plants, you've got to have distributors. This was happening at the time that Jesus came to the Sea of Galilee. And so, that makes me think about those fishers. What would motivate them to go in an instant? What possibly could lead them immediately to abandon everything? I think they could see hope in an increasingly hopeless profession and in the economy that was around them. They could see hope in Jesus' call. They could see hope in his lineage. Here he was. This whole story is set up at the time of John the Baptist's arrest. And it seems sort of just like a throwaway, but it's not. This is setting the context for the story. So Jesus' lineage, he had received initiation, a ritual of initiation, baptism with water, from John the Baptist, this radical prophet who had come to the River Jordan wearing camel hair and a leather belt just like the prophet Elijah before him who had been taken up into heaven. So we never had a recorded death of Elijah. So there was still this like 
wondering of this radical prophet and when he might come back. And then John the Baptist comes back looking just like him at the same part of the country. And then John is arrested for his radical prophetic work, and Jesus, the newly initiated, picks up the mantle. So they could see hope in this lineage. Here, finally, was someone who might be speaking a word of transformation that was personal and also economic. Here was someone who was maybe going to be working at justice systemically, boldly, and seemingly without fear, because here he is coming down to the ports, the Roman ports, and calling people to come with him and do something different. There's uh, the translation that I was working with this week concluded that they left in the company of Jesus. That's how the story ends in the Inclusive Bible. I'm accustomed to hearing they followed him. They followed him. But this somehow opened it up in a new way for me. They left in the company of Jesus. Here was a call that was too captivating to pass up. And they left in the company of Jesus. I do still feel my heart tug toward Zebedee, toward all of you sitting here in this room when I walked away. (laughs) I probably always will feel my heart tug toward Zebedee, toward the dad left in his boat, the abandoned father standing there all alone. Except not. He wasn't standing there all alone, at least not according to the text. The text said that he was standing there with some hired hands. So that means a couple of things. It means Zebedee clearly had some means available to him that he could have some hired help, that he could have some assistance, he could pay folks to join him in his vocation, and that he had some relationships, some community, even standing there in the boat. And I'm not a parent. I am not here to say that hired hands are a good stand-in for sons. (laughs) I suspect they aren't. (laughs) But there he was in the boat, not entirely alone. And neither did the brothers go alone. Not only did they leave in the company of Jesus, but they left in the company of one another. I was struck by that this week. They went in pairs, and they were on their way to pick up more. More who would say yes to the call, who would see hope in Jesus' call, who would see hope in Jesus' lineage, who would see hope in the work that Jesus was doing. And those would eventually become a band of followers who would proclaim and also try to live a different way. Try to live a different way from the empire's way of exploitation. They were being called into a different way of community and being together. And so if no path is without loss, which I 
think is true, then it makes me wonder if no path is also without blessing. That no path is without the opportunity. That each path, each path comes with the opportunity to create community. Maybe not the community you exactly imagined or hoped for. But community, nonetheless. Family. Chosen family. So I think about us. The disciples clearly had this shared vision and shared work and shared sense of calling, but they didn't know all of that immediately. Immediately they said yes to the call of Jesus, but they didn't quite yet know what that whole call would mean for them. And I think about us as a church community. As we work at being at work at a just peace in the world. One of those things that we name often, that we have named as a congregation, as one of the pillars of who we are. As we work together at a just peace and creation, at responding to the calls that come our way that are too captivating to pass up. As we do that together, may we too find ourselves in the company of Jesus. May we find that our yes together is a yes to a call from Jesus. And may we find ourselves in the company of one another. That is my wish. It is my prayer. And insofar as I can do it this morning, it is my proclamation. May it be so for us. Amen.